You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 51. Welcome to today's episode, everyone. We have the beautiful Autumn Eastman. Autumn is a public health devotee determined to supporting global human health needs and being a catalyst for female empowerment. She's a runner, a self-improvement enthusiast, a giggler, and a curious sponge. Now, she's recently graduated from Georgetown University in the US, and she has embarked on this amazing trip, wait till you hear about it, all over the world for a year now to volunteer her time to better understand the needs of communities and the gaps that she can contribute to filling. She's currently a volunteer project coordinator for the NGO called, I can't even pronounce this, so she's going to tell you, but she's in Bangalore, India, working closely with menstrual health projects. Autumn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. I'm excited to have you on. Now, the word that I couldn't pronounce, tell us what the, the NGO is called. Yeah, so we're called Arogya Seva. <laughs> what it means in Sanskrit is um, service, healthcare service. Um, and yeah, so we're based in Bangalore, India. Um, I've been a volunteer project coordinator um, for Arogya Seva for the past six months now. Um, but essentially, what our mission is is to um, provide healthcare to communities, developing communities, anybody really, um, at free or no cost. We really believe in decommodifying healthcare, um, and that manifests itself in many different ways. So, for example, right now we have a project going on in the northeast of India where we're developing um, and building a clinic for um, a remote village um, who has requested more access to healthcare services. Um, so we, we are really intentional about um, what communities we are going into who are actually specifically requesting our presence. Um, and then the other projects that we have specifically in Bangalore is what's called the Doctor at School program, um, whereby we um, have volunteer medical professionals that will volunteer their time to screen children in schools, um, and then we'll treat the students for whatever illnesses they have um, free of cost. And then as an offshoot of that program, we do menstrual hygiene education workshops in these schools. So what I've been involved in is uh, training um, locals here on the ground to give these menstrual hygiene workshops since I can't speak the local languages. <laughs> in what? You've been there for six yeah. months and you can't speak it yet? <laughs> I know. Oh, that's hilarious. And um Sorry to cut you off, but that sounds absolutely fantastic. And it's something, it's interesting. Autumn and I connected um, via Instagram for a different reason, which I'll explain, get her to share and explain in a little bit. But it was interesting. I'd just come home from my retreat in India. I was there on a Panchakarma Ayurvedic 14-day detoxification, cleansing, reconnecting retreat, which I'm taking a group to in um, April of 2021 next year. So and if you want to come and join us, you can. It's amazing. And there's actually a podcast episode about it. Um, but with the, um, with having just been in India and then coming back to Australia, I've really recognized the differences between menstrual health in such a, a third world of country of India versus in Australia. And on the plane ride 
because I really wanted to like, I've always wanted to watch it and I didn't have the downtime. So I downloaded it onto my Netflix on my phone mm. and on the plane ride over, I watched the documentary period, end of sentence. Now, if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you're like, what a, what a, it's a documentary short film that's featured on Netflix. I'll pop the link in the show notes, but it's called period, end of sentence. And it's literally about menstrual hygiene and menstrual products and menstrual education and awareness in India. So how has that doco order affected the work of menstrual health in third world countries like India? Yeah. So actually I watched this documentary before ever coming to India. I watched it right before I came six months ago. And the minute I saw it, I, you know, didn't know much about the menstrual health movement. I, you know, was involved in menstrual health stuff on campus and university, but um, not with underprivileged groups or developing communities in that way. So when I watched it, I had a very similar to, like reaction to you where I was like, wow, this is amazing. There's, there are people that are empowering women, you know, through pad production in India. That's amazing. And then I got here and I actually realized how many issues there actually were with that documentary. Um, very On the very surface level, it is amazing that we're providing this space, right, for menstrual health. It's great that this is this space is opening up, but uh, there were many issues with the film that I've realized since coming here in how we're portraying um, the menstrual movement abroad. And and I don't think that this is really a fault of anybody. I think it's difficult to understand this when we don't have as much exposure, right? When we're not working. Um, abroad, it's really hard to understand, you know, like the actual situations that are happening on the ground. Um, like, for example, this, and I would really encourage people to watch this, but watch it with a critical eye um, because <clears throat> at the end of the day, you know, they talk a lot about pad production, um, but at, at the end of the day, the menstrual health movement isn't fo just focused on pads and it should not just be focused on pads. Um, and it can't just be solved by producing pads. And, and I think that that's a really important thing to be aware of when you're watching, watching something like this. And um, I think that, you know, there are definitely specific challenges that um, come up in places like India surrounding, you know, very specific taboos and stigmas that have very specific social, social cultural um, implications here. For example, there's a lot of women um, that are that are still not allowed to go into the kitchen when they're on on their periods. They um, are told not to touch certain holy plants like tulsi plant or eat certain foods. So there's very yeah like specific social and cultural implications. I would love. Let's talk about that because this is okay, such yeah. a good question. <laughs> yeah. And um, we're going to delve into lots of different things on on this yeah, episode. I know. I'm just so juicy about it. <laughs> and you know how, and everyone who listens to this knows how passionate I am about menstrual health education. So let's talk about tabooness when it comes yeah. to menstrual cycles. I would love you to just list out or identify with what some of the most common ones are in India. And I'm sure that mm -hmm. very similar countries like Sri Lanka, even different parts of Asia, um, are going to have very similar tabooness as opposed to what we see as taboo in the Western world. So mm -hmm. yeah, share with us what is seen as taboo. Like you were saying that women aren't allowed mm -hmm. in the kitchen. So what are some others? Um, yeah. So a lot of them revolve around food, actually. Um, you're not supposed to eat something that is like really spicy. 
Um, for example, they have pickle here and it's not like the Western traditional pickle. It's uh, got a lot of spices and it's more salty. They're not allowed, they're not supposed to eat pickle. Um, you're not supposed to touch what's called Tulsi plant, which is oh. a holy plant in um, many other religions here. Um, it's a many, sacred plant. Yes. And they use, they use it for their offerings. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's got this religious connotation with it. Um, most women aren't allowed or prefer not to go to temple. Um, although I have heard some accounts of women actually using this time as, as a break from their religious practices. So I, there, there is definitely choice involved. And I think that that's also a different important conversation. Um, mm -hmm. What else have I heard? There's a, there's a taboo of um, fruit trees dying. How, if you are on your period and you walk past a fruit tree, the fruit tree, they have this belief that the fruit, fruits will die. Um, or um, if you come into the kitchen and um, touch certain foods, foods will be spoiled. Um, so there's, yeah, there's various stigma around food, um, consumption, and yeah, touching of foods. Mm -hmm. um, Con like connection. What it's they connect with. It, sorry, <laughs> what was that? I said um, what they connect with. So there's a lot of, um, with food, it can also be like what they connect with, so what they come <laughs> into physical contact with whilst mm -hmm. they're menstruating. Because is that because they've seen as dirty? Because a lot of the, and having studied Ayurveda and working as like an Ayurvedic coach and mm. going to India and practicing Ayurveda, I know mm -hmm. that, a lot there's a lot about the physical connection and you can be seen as dirty if you're mm -hmm. bleeding mm -hmm. is that something that you've noticed yeah so a lot of this these stigmas and taboos from what i've come to understand in the six months that i'm here that is in no way representative of all of india correct i just want to preface that um but <laughs> what not the whole country I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the girls that I've spoken to and what I've understand from the people I've worked with, um, a lot of these stigmas and these taboos originated, you know, from long, long, long ago when sanitation, um, you know, was more, I think, more of an issue. There are definitely issues with sanitation still today, but I think they developed out of um, a concern with, you know, hey, if I'm not able to, you know, take care of my period in a very sanitary way, then I don't want to be touching these foods, right? Or, you know, I shouldn't be spoiling these things. If I'm on my period, then I don't necessarily have very sanitary ways of handling it. So I think that there's part of that, that like, these stigmas and taboos originated a long, long ago when they might have been, I don't know, more practical then in a, in a sense um mm -hmm. when they're just not now but i think yeah you're right i think that that a lot of women feel dirty like there's this feeling of like a lot of girls when we ask them how they feel about period blood what they think about period blood they say it's dirty they say it's waste um and that's a when we do so what we do in the workshops is we do a pre-survey before to understand their attitude and their practices currently happening and what they know about periods i actually have the survey here with me i can share some questions and they when we ask them what do you know about periods most of them say 
I don't know. I don't know what it is and I don't know why it happens. Like the majority of the girls we've sampled. And then most of them say, yeah, I feel embarrassed. I feel ashamed that I have a period. And most of them say, yeah, it's like a dirty, it's a dirty thing. Um, although this does vary from school to school. Some schools have, have been uh, way more educated on it and others have absolutely no idea. So it varies for sure. You're making me want to come back to India really bad. I'm just letting you know. I have to be transparent. I'm like, I want to go back to India. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. It's, it's very interesting when you were saying about the girls quite often feel like ashamed and dirty mm -hmm. is I know that in Australia and I'm sure it's very common in other Western countries like in the UK and even in North America that a lot of teens and tweens when they start menstruating don't necessarily feel ashamed mm -hmm. but they don't feel like it's fully accepted exactly. so they try to hide it it's an embarrassing thing um and they're just they want to they're a bit numb maybe numb is not the right word but they're a bit closed off totally. to being really open about it mm -hmm. and i know that um, everyone listening knows that i'm i'm like my mission is to like mm -hmm. make it an open topic and make it shareable and talkable mm -hmm. and it's why i'm working on programs for parents but in um, where you are in the project work that you're doing and you saying that you do menstrual heart, um, health and hygiene and education, mm. what are some things that you share um, that you found really fundamental for teens and tweens at that age in getting to know their menstrual cycle? Yeah. So I just want to back up and say, I'm so glad you brought up that point about, you know, even in the United States and in Australia, we have this kind of dirty, kind of uncomfortable feeling surrounding periods. And I, I mean, it just goes to show that while there are differences that that occur in places like India, there are so many similarities and, you know, across the board issues that we're dealing with menstruation globally um, and women being disconnected with their bodies and not really understanding fully, even myself, you know, like I come from a health background and I didn't even know that there were four phases of the menstrual cycle. Like that's crazy, right? What? Yeah, like, <laughs> So I think that, yeah, it, it, it makes me think of the gifts, you know, where they're like home alone and the kid's like slapping his face. He's like, oh my God, <laughs> I, I was once there too, though. I was once there too. So I know yeah, how you feel. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a global, a global issue and there's definitely similarities, but specifically here um, in India, from what we've been teaching these girls, I've realized like I said before, there is a huge focus on on product right now. And I think part of that is is because, you know, a negative side of this is, you know, people like to market what they can, right? If, if there's a way of marketing something, you'll have people pop up in these spaces. But the other mm. part of it is it's, it's an easy way to, for people to feel like they're making a contribution to the movement. Um, but so because this is such a focus here, what we really like to teach the girls is not necessarily, hey, you should be using a cup. Hey, you should be using tampon. Hey, you should be using this. What we do is we give them the plethora of options that exist, understanding that in this context, uh, a lot of women aren't comfortable inserting materials into their vagina. A lot of you know, girls don't even know what a tampon is and will probably never use a tampon. What we do is offer them the plethora of these choices and then really, um, focus on the hygiene aspect. Like regardless of what you're using, you know, we don't really care, honestly. I mean, mm. environmentally it'd be better if you're using reusable pads, blah, blah, blah. But 
to us giving them that choice um, with the education that, hey, if you're changing your pad every six to eight hours, as long as you're doing this and practicing safe hygiene, that is absolutely the crux of it. That's, that's the most important piece of it. Um, and that's what I find is the most important thing to get in to a 60, 75 minute workshop um, with these girls. Hygiene and it's interesting actually, just thinking out loud, when I was at the retreat center at Sitaram in mm -hmm. Kerala, India, where we were running the retreat in April next year, 2021, yeah. is a little plug if you want to come along, not even just you, anyone yeah. listening, um, let me know. It's an amazing experience. But when I was there, um, you know, I actually was menstruating and if people want to know about my journey, you can go, there's highlights in my Insta Instagram bio about the entire experience but I was menstruating and because we go through Ayurvedic treatments and some of them are a little bit invasive, um, even like Nubby Busty is not an invasive treatment, but it's a heating treatment um, over the belly, which do you know what Nubby Busty is? No, I had no Okay, idea. so Nubby Busty, for those who don't know, there's actually a podcast episode I recorded with Samantha Doyle, um, a beautiful friend of mine. We recorded it on retreat about the Panchakarma experience and we talked about all the different treatments. You can go learn about it in that episode. I don't know what episode it is, but I'll let you know in the show notes. Nubby Busty is where they basically make a clay bowl. You could okay. say like a rim around yeah. on your belly. So it goes from like your pubic bone to kind of like the very bottom of your ribs. And it forms this, I guess, oval shaped bowl. And then they warm oil. And so this is medicinal herbal oil. And they fill it with um, warm oil and it warms up your belly. Now, when you're menstruating, it's kind of like having a castor oil pack, but a thousand times more beneficial. So and it helps with the, like the menstruation process. So with Nubby Busty, I was like, when they came, to, when the nurse, the treatment lady came to pick yeah. you up because they yeah. walk over to your villa and they pick you up and they link arms with you and they walk back. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, whilst you were whilst you're wearing your big colorful moo I was like so I'm menstruating and I pulled out my cup and I was like can I wear this <laughs> and she was like oh 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 what what, what I don't it? know she's like I don't know what that is and yeah. I was like oh you don't know what a menstrual cup is I was like okay so then I pulled out a tampon because I generally will wear a menstrual, a menstrual cup or I'll just bleed. Like I just like to free flow and bleed. And so I'll wear like wow. a, a pad or I'll wear a period underwear. And yeah. so I generally don't use tampons, but I always carry them when I travel because you just never know, right? It's good right. to be savvy. So I pulled out an organic tampon from um, Tosuna and I was just like, what about this? She was also shocked. She had no idea. Now this is a trained nurse who's been trained for the last three years. She's a nurse. Mm. Like in the, it's the same similar training as a, in the West to become a nurse. So she'd been through nurse training. She's an Ayurvedic qualified nurse and she had no idea what a, what a tampon or a menstrual cup was. And I was like, it's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> and so I literally, cause you don't wear any underwear at the treatment. They right. put on like cloth, like see-through um, undies, like the disposable ones on you. Okay. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to wear the cup. I guess that's what I've just got to do. Cause I don't want to bleed on the, <laughs> on the bed. <laughs> so yeah um but it's interesting because they didn't know and then in their cabinet in the pharmacy there at the retreat center they had cloth pads yeah. and it's from an indian company called echo um eco yeah 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 and i was like oh my god they have cloth pads and i was yet to purchase a pair of cloth pads and i was like this is a great opportunity so i brought a pair of the handmade cloth pads and 
it's really interesting. Um, like, t- t- let let us know, Autumn. We could talk about so many topics in this episode. I know. <laughs> let us know what are the most common products that are used in the East. So actually, the majority of girls, when we ask them prior to the workshops, are using uh, stay-free pads. Um, okay. Which and what's a stay-free pad? So stay-free pad is like the whisper, the whisper brand of the wings. Yeah, like a dispo- just a disposable regular pad. pad. Yeah, like a regular most- pad we have in the West. Okay. Exactly. Most of them are using this stay-free, which is a whisper brand, which. Um, just shows the influence of like Western products, like on India and this whole pad man pad production thing. Um, when it's slightly concerning because if there's no hygiene education, right, then some of these girls think that they can use these pads all day long. They'll go to school and they won't change their pad until they come home. So if that not the education hygiene, yeah. isn't there, that's where the product use can be really tricky. Um, when you educate the girls on, hey, there's this cup that you can use, there's these reusable pads that you can use. Um, yeah, like it provides them with this this knowledge that there's more that exists that can provide you more freedom within your menstrual cycle. Mm, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so <clears throat> let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about, I guess, some of the projects that you're working on for menstrual health um before we go there i would love to know like what is your journey with menstrual health for yourself and what led you to working in menstrual health like there was something that obviously called you for it um so tell us a little bit about your personal journey yeah so actually i have been on birth control for the past seven years of my life which is a long time so yeah my journey with getting to know my menstrual cycle is in its nascence. I'm starting now (laughs) to awaken to the power of this that lies within myself. And I'm really excited and I'm so grateful that I found you and this community so that I can further this. Um, But yeah, when I was in college, me and my friend um, stumbled upon the issue that women face um, being homeless and having their periods. Um, and how when they don't have access to, say, hygienic methods um, or products during menstruation, um, you know, it can lead to uh, numerous um, amounts of infections and whatnot. So we decided to open a chapter of um, a period organization on our campus um, called the Period Empowerment Project. Um, And we started um, packaging, you know, supplies for women to donate to homeless shelters so that they had more access to menstrual products. So that's kind of, that was my first introduction into this menstrual empowerment movement. Um, And then, yeah, I got involved with Urugya Seva doing menstrual hygiene um, projects. And one of the projects that we're working on together is um, the International Menstrual Health Conference that's going to be taking place here in Bangalore, March 7th and 8th. It's called the Period Junction. Um, And we were so excited to um, connect with Gemma um, because she provides a a really interesting and um, dimensional outlook into um, menstruation and in Australia and also a way that we don't necessarily talk about menstruation, right? Like the the large narrative surrounding menstruation isn't um, 
how to really embody these four different phases, at least in my experience and in, in, in my work with menstruation thus far. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a really exciting um, conference that will incorporate many different international leaders and from many different sectors to talk about, okay, where do we currently stand with this? How can we share resources? How can we share knowledge and practices to really benefit everybody's work and come together and start uniting this movement further? It's something I'm really excited about. And after Autumn found me online, she reached out and was like, hey, do you want to like come and be a part of this conference? And I was like, there's a menstrual conference? How do I, how can I not be a part of this? So the period junction, it is happening um, the 7th, 8th of March, which happens to be over International Women's Day. For those who don't know, that's a date very much highlighted in my calendar. <clears throat> and so... Autumn, tell us what is the mission of Period Junction as an international menstrual cycle conference? Yeah, so the reason we were like, hey, we need this to happen is because working since I've been here, I could see it plain, plain as day, is that there are so many organizations that have popped up um, to work on menstrual health, which is amazing, right? We need everybody that we can. But what was really apparent is that um, you know, similar animation videos are coming out, similar books are coming out, um, which just goes to show that we're not really working together in this space. Um, and there are so many people also doing very niche things in this space. For example, there are people here crafting a fellowship to train people on how to conduct menstrual hygiene education workshops. There are people working very specifically in research. There's people working, you know, more specifically in, um, menstrual cups and the environmental implications um, that exist in this space right now. And so what we really wanted to do is to combine everybody in this space, leaders, activists, volunteers, students that are just interested in getting more involved, um, to lay the groundwork for this movement to take off post-conference, um, to be more united and to build more of a network um, in an Indian context, starting here um, and involving international players um, to, to start filling in the gaps and provide you know, a light to a larger, a larger narrative um, and to really start doing more work collectively and to strengthen, to strengthen this whole thing together. Amazing. I'm yeah. very excited to be a part of it. Now for the listeners, Autumn, who are listening going, this sounds really cool. How could I listen into the conference? How could I listen in and, and learn about what's being shared and what's coming out in menstrual health education around the world? How can people who maybe are just like mums or students or mm. just workers who want to just listen in for education, how can they be a part of it if they're not actually a business in the industry? Yeah, totally. So I would say we do have a virtual option to attend the conference. So if you do want to purchase a ticket, hopefully it aligns somewhat with your time zone. Um, if it does, yeah, come join us virtually on the two conference days. Um, otherwise, if you want to know how you can get more involved with our work, um, you can always shoot me an email and we can talk about you know, how you want to be involved, you know, even virtually um, in this space. And if you want to be more connected in this network, we'd be more than happy to have any of your listeners come join us. Amazing. And if you don't know about it, I'll be sharing all about it over on my Instagram um, as we lead into the event. And 
if you'd like to, you know, get a ticket, it'll all the notes and the links will be over in our show notes for the podcast episode. Now, Autumn, something I would love um, to hear from you as a question is mm. what do you see in the vision of menstrual health education around the world? Yeah, to me, the epitome of menstrual health education is equipping girls with the knowledge that will provide them the freedom to make more informed choices about their own body um, and to be more connected to their own bodies. Um, mm -hmm. That to me is the epitome of menstrual health education um, is, you know, it's not just about educating on what periods are, but how can we equip you with the knowledge to feel more comfortable in your body, to feel more um, connected to your body so that you can make more informed choices for yourself um, as an autonomous being um, and then pass that on, right, to your own sisters and your mother and, yeah, friends. Amen. The ripple effect. And that's the benefit of women. I feel we're very, women are talkers and it's funny. Like every time you, you know, someone who's a, a hairdresser, you know, you tell a hairdresser something and the word will spread because <laughs> they're talkers and they've got the women in their seat and they literally are talking, communicating and all women are like that. Right. So and so it's not about learning about information for yourself in a mm. taboo topic or that's currently taboo, but how can I learn something around menstrual health education and that could be just be learning how to better honor how you feel in your body on a particular day how can i take that and then share that with other people in my community and that's something that i'm really passionate about myself with the well women academy uh, where we work with women one-on-one -on -one through the self-paced course or through the challenge which you're actually you've been a part of the five-day challenge and um hopefully you've enjoyed being a part of the challenge i've loved it yeah yeah, good. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to ask you, because I know you've done so much work around menstrual hygiene. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to ask, what are your three top tips for women who are listening? Because I know that here in Australia, at least, you know, we're not taught menstrual hygiene, really. Mm -hmm. Like we're taught sex ed, but not the menstrual hygiene part. Mm -hmm. Is if like an adult woman is thinking, crap, I should like, I could learn something from this. Definitely. What are three really great tips for being hygienic with your menstruation? I think um, the biggest thing about being hygienic would be making sure that you're, you know, taking time to clean yourself, um, you know, making sure that you're washing that area frequently enough, um, you know, at least once a day. And that doesn't, I would be careful about like harsh detergents and, and whatnot, water, just water, you know, is sometimes good enough. Um, and also changing your, your, whether it be a cup um, or pad or tampon and changing that um, frequently enough, right? Like every six to eight hours is really, really important. Um, and I think, you know, something that is really important that Gemma really harps on a lot is um, <laughs> listening to your, listening to your body, right? Like if your body during menstruation is, um, you know, you're feeling really run down and need, need a break, like really honoring honoring that within yourself and, and using, um, you know, your menstrual cycle, even if you want to use it as an excuse, but some, just to take some time to read and, you know, catch up on slow other down. things that you want to do. Slow down. Yeah. And, um, yeah, those would be my tips. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Autumn, I've loved having you as a guest on our show and talking about such a random topic that I'm, I'm um, sure that a lot of women who are listening to this would never have listened to at any other time. 
but I want to thank you so much. Now there's a question I always ask all of our guests as we wrap up, but I let us know what's three guiding tips that you would give to your younger menstruating self. So think about what you now know today. What do you wish that you would have known when you started menstruating that you now know? Oh man. Yeah. There's so much. I would say the number one thing above all would be trust your body cues and signals, and that will be your best guide to wellness. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I, I learned to ignore those things. Um, the second, um, would be that menstruation isn't something that has to or needs to be a burden for you, right? There, there are many ways that we can, you know, prevent you from having a negative menstrual experience. Um, Mm -hmm. and third, that there were ways to embrace your body through menstruation. Um, and that it doesn't have to be a burden that happens every single month. I think that that would be that's beautiful. The biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> well, Autumn, thank you so much for being on the show and being a guest and joining us all the way from Bangalore in India. Yeah. Um, if, the listeners would love to learn a little bit more about the conference or what it is that you do in the organization that you work for. Um, I will pop all the links in the show notes, but where's the best platform for them to find, to find you on? Me personally, personally, I'm on Instagram, but the, Mm -hmm. the best way for the conference would be to go to um, the conference page, matrika.arogyaseva dot in slash period junction um mm-hmm. and also if you're interested in learning more about orogya seva you can go to um orogya dot in to learn more about the work that we're doing um as well as instagram that's all that's all there it's all there amazing well i will for people who can't <laughs> pronounce that like me i will I pop know. it all in the show notes so don't stress um, and I would love for you guys to jump on and listen to the conference i will be speaking for around 30 40 minutes about the seasons of your cycle and the phases of your cycle and how to live in tune and sync with your cycle. So I'm really excited to be a part of the conference. Autumn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Gemma. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag WellWomenPodcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 